Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is a weekend racing preview. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two expert guests as we look forward to Ascot, to Haydock, and even to Taunton as well. So let's get on with it and introduce them. First and foremost, of course, is Odds Checker's very own tipster extraordinaire, Andy Holding. Andy, it's been a while since we've chatted. How are you finding the new year? How's everything going with you? Um... Yeah, it's been tough going, if I'm being honest, George, yeah. Um, I felt going into the into the jump season fairly, fairly confident as I usually am off the back of a decent flat season, but I have to have to um, break it down and say November and December were really, really tough. Um, slightly better January, but still finding it difficult. I just think the heavy ground, which has been probably ongoing now since the middle of... Um, December or probably even earlier than that uh, has just made the landscape a little bit more difficult for punting um, mm-hmm. I think there's been a lot of I've made a lot of poor choices along the way I'm not sort of blaming all the, you know, the, the conditions completely because I mean we have that every year but when I look back at my records um, traditionally November, December January, February are usually pretty strong mm-hmm. Um I'm on top of the national hunt form pretty much. So I can only put it down really to a combination, I could say, one one or two poor decisions, heavy ground predominantly throughout, some horses just not handling it from one run to the next. Um, and a lot of bad luck along the way. I mean, I had a faller last week at Weatherby that probably would have won if it was stood up, Aragon. That would have won a nice prize winner. Uh, mint conditions just didn't quite get there Saturday. Uh, but yeah, you just get a lot of bad rides. And just things don't go your way when, you, when you're just slightly out of nick. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping I'm, I'm a bit like Liverpool FC at the moment. I'm just going through one of those little sticky patches where I'm having a lot of draws and just chipping away. But hopefully the goals will start coming again soon. Yeah, well, Andy, we've known each other for a long time. And I can say with some confidence that it's always darkest before the dawn. If you've been having a rough patch, I'm pretty sure that there are going to be winners coming on the horizon very, very soon. And fingers crossed we're going to get to some this weekend uh as well of course now becoming a bit of a regular on the odds checker betting show delighted to be joined by andrew thornton andrew very very good to have you here how is your january going uh hopefully a little bit brighter than than andy's there uh, yeah I'm, I'm just interested to know which jockeys have given them bad rides it's <laughs> <laughs> our former jockey funny enough, andrew, a <laughs> funny enough andrew caught a few of the bad rides have been on the weather Oh, um, I'm just, I'm just thinking. I'm pleased I'm retired now because I'm sure I gave one or two a few bad rides over the years. I, I haven't had two minutes. I've gone round the inside when they should have gone wide. Um, I can't even use that as an excuse. Like yeah. I say, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always brutally honest with with myself, and and I try not to blame too many outside forces because I think it, it, you're not really doing yourself. Justice, really. I think. I think you're just looking for excuses. Um, That's a key factor, though, Andy, isn't it? You've got it. You, you've probably got to factor into your betting who's going to utilise that heavy ground where, and find the find the places that aren't so heavy. Mm. A lot of it has been like that, Andrew. To be honest, yeah. You you just hope the jockeys that you're backing are on your side. That they're, they're they're going in the, the areas where you want. You need the yards in form. A lot of you need to be on healthy horses because mm. if they're not quite hundred percent at the moment, they're getting found out. I mean, Newbury yesterday, there's probably two or three horses at each race that handle the conditions. Of the rest were out the back of the tally, and, and it's been like that. It's it's been a like I thought, it's been an exercise in. Uh, 
you have to get everything absolute 100% right because if, if you're just slightly off it when you're tipping, you're going for the wrong horses that are just not quite on it, you get completely exposed and it exacerbates your actual losing run because you're probably not that far away, but it, it just looks worse because the heavy ground is making them look worse than what they are. Mm. Absolutely. Well, we, we were discussing, talking of heavy ground, whether or not we have any racing this weekend. Uh, yesterday, we, we felt pretty confident that Haydock probably wouldn't be on but Ascot maybe would be. We're now going to preview all the racing and I hope that all racing goes ahead on Saturday. Andrew, you spoke to somebody at Haydock this morning and word on the ground is, is pretty positive. Well, I spoke to Kirkland Tellwright this morning and he was very much of the opinion they could race today. I mean, the amount of rain they've had has been significant, over three inches of rain in four days, which is amazing. But he says the track's taking it fantastically well. Uh, he's just a little worried about, obviously, the frost that is forecast. If they get a minus two, I think they'll be fine. You know, they've got covers down. So, in that respect, you know, it, it looks positive for Haydock, which you we wouldn't have thought yesterday. Really, really good to hear. Um, before we get into the action, just going to point you in the direction of the Odds Checker app. Make sure you download it now as you can follow the podcast and video as we go through it. It's got the very best, the best prices, of course. It's Odds Checker, but also the best bookie offers. You can check your place terms there as well. And some pretty handy tipsters there too, including, of course, Andy, who joins us here. Um, we're going to do four races. Ask it. We're basically going to go through the ITV races. So we're going to kick off with the Mayor's Hurdle, the, uh, the Grade 2, then into the Handicap Hurdle, and then the Handicap Steeplechase, and then followed it up, of course, with the big race of the day at Ascot, the Clarence House. Uh, and then we're going to go to Haydock, where we'll talk through the Supreme Trial, and then into the Peter Marsh Handicap Steeplechase, and then finish off with the Unibet Champion Hurdle Trial there, and then quickly touch on the Portman Cup over at Taunton as well. So plenty to get through in the next 40 minutes or so. And we are going to kick off with that Mayor's Hurdle race. And we're recording this just before midday on Thursday, so all the markets reforming as we speak and thankfully for me because it makes my job incredibly difficult when prices aren't out the prices have started to filter through and Roxana is the five to six favorite here in the 115 at Asker on Saturday Magic Light 11 to four uh, Egalantine to Soil is seven to two Code of Message 25 to one Midnight Tune 33 to one on the face of it, Andy, it doesn't look like a fantastic betting heat. Um, any value you can spot at those early prices? Well, I think the value obviously is with Magic Light. If, if you're, you're going to go down that route, it was similar to the day, wasn't it? When you know the lots of Tom Segal, one or two others said the value was uh, storing for Lange at sort of five to two, mm. but he bit the dust early on. Um, very early, but I, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, very early on. Yet the first, I, I don't see the betting sort of landscape changing too much here, George. If I'm being honest. I think it looks fair enough, doesn't it? Roxana with a run in the in the long walk is some way, by far and away, some way the best piece of form coming in here. You know, it's Grade One coming up against Paisley Park and Time Hill, the two best UK horses anyway over over three three miles for this season. Paisley Park for that for the last three or four seasons, or certainly two or three seasons. Um, and you know, she went hard all the way to the line. She now's proven that she stays three miles. She she got an expert ride first time at Weatherby when. Um, Harry Skelton just tracked the speed and then she found a really good turn of foot to beat next destination who's done that form no harm either um, and it's a fairly straightforward task isn't it here for, for Harry he's got um, Harry Skelton that is he's got two front runners uh, Magical Light of course last year's winner will presumably go off in front 
Uh, that's her run style. You know, she she mixes codes, uh, hurdles to to fences, but both on uh, both disciplines she does exactly the same. She goes off in front. She she won this race last year by making all the running. Um, so yeah, it's it, I'd imagine he'll be just a couple of lengths behind her, you know, uh, and just take the trail as long as he dare, and then hopefully Roxana's stamina will hold out and he can do for a turn of foot probably going down to the last or on the running. I think he'll leave it till very, very late. He won't be playing his hand too early on a horse like Roxana, who, um, has, like I say, has got a sharp turn of foot, um, comparatively speaking, for a three-miler. The other three look as though they're outclassed. Um, it's, it's good of connections to, to roll up here. At least they're going to get some prize money further down the line. Mm. But, you know, Anglantine de Soy probably isn't quite this good. Uh, Midnight Tune definitely isn't this good and has been in in the doldrums a little bit of like pulling up three times this last four runs and Cody message fair play to connections out there you know they should get a decent um, day out but um you can imagine that'll be that uh, struggling to say the very least so yeah it, it looks a straightforward race the betting looks a bit about right because i can't see any massive value in it Mate, look, you could argue magic a lot eleven four is a smidgen of value but i think roxana will probably win roxana will probably win do you agree with that andrew i i do because i just think Je- jesse's horse is she hasn't had a winner in the last fortnight. Um, been been knocking on the knocking on, knocking on the door. They've been running okay, but I wouldn't say they've just been absolutely flying. But you know, she wouldn't be sending this mare over if she didn't think she was well and healthy and everything that goes with it. Um, you know, but one thing you do know with Magic Light loves the track too. From True, going for a hat trick in the race, so that's obviously a big plus. But I don't think she's bumped to anything of the class of Roxana so far. So. I'd be with Andy on that point. Eglatane de Soy obviously gets the £6 weight allowance um, off the other two mares. But um, I just you, you can't pick any whores in Roxana's form, can you, Andy? It's just... No. It, it's absolutely rock solid. And arguably, it was a better run last time out than it probably was when she even won up at Weatherby. Mm. Just the nature of the contest last time. She put it up to the Paisley Park and um and Tyne Hill. And for a moment you thought that she might just upset the apple cart. But um I, I see no holes in that and the fact that the the ground at Ascot it's not heavy, it's soft and there's there's not a lot of rain forecast. I just think that Roxana, as Andy says, ticks all the boxes. Roxana ticking all the boxes. Uh, Andrew, before we talk about the rest, because I mean we're talking in terms here of heavy grounds and you know Andy's spoken from a punter's perspective of what that means and you know you often go into these races thinking you know I can be pretty confident that I'm not wrong in terms of what I think form wise but you don't really know how it's going to play out on the ground and who's going to handle it as a jockey going into these meetings when you know that it's going to be testing ground how does it impact your kind of confidence in the way the way that you approach these races especially say if you're on an odds on favorite like Roxana I'd certainly take a view of the jockeys and what routes that you've got two very experienced riders on the, the front two in the market. Mm. You, you know the way Harry Skelton rides as well, that he's he's going to play his cards late. And I, I think is a, you know, I think he'll, he'll obviously be taking comfort in what he's seen the way Bridget rides some of the horses as well. Harry's riding with more confidence now. I think you'll find that he's not frightened to to give something a length going to the last if he's on a hold-up horse. Whereas maybe a few years ago, he maybe would push the button that little bit sooner. He's got that much more confidence in his own ability and so much trust when you're riding for your brother, knowing that you're going to ride the horses next time, no matter what. So that is when you have to give them 
their best rides possible. So from that perspective, you know, he's maturing as a, a jockey. Absolutely. Interesting stuff there from Andrew. We'll move on now to the 150, which is the handicap hurdle. And Danny Kirwan is the five to one favourite again for um for Harry uh sorry for Harry Cobbton riding Danny Kirwan there. Then Light Squeeze eleven to two, Janika fifteen to two, uh, Craig Niche eight to one, Kateson seventeen to two alongside Ari Ari Paddy's boat motorbike nine to one alongside Don Levant and ten to one bar. Andy, come to you again first here. Any of those catching your eye early on? Yeah, well, I'd be quite keen uh, on certainly the price anyway that uh, William Hill of Chalk. Six to one, four places for, for lightly squeezed uh, Harry Fry's uh, runner. Um, I thought he ran a super race last time out, even though he's an outsider in the... Um, was it the Betfair hurdle before before mm. Christmas at um, at this track behind? Not so sleepy. He's kept on stoically all the way to the line that day. Over a trip, which I think nowadays he's probably a little bit too short for him. Remember he won at Taunton last year uh, when he was on a roll. He absolutely scooted up. But the further he went, the better he looked that day. He actually ran over a mile six on the flat at Haydock uh, towards the back end of last season. And even that trip looked on the sharp side for him. Um, so the fact that he's been doing what he's doing uh, over two miles against you know the very very top class handicappers like we saw last time at Ascot um you know you, you look at the horses who were in behind in that day like to Benson and, and Oakley and Malaya and Belfast Banter it, it was a good strong all of that term hey duck at that Ascot um handicap and like I say he's acquitted himself really well um deep ground won't bother him you know pretty much every time he's, he's run or worn or run well it's been soft or heavy we know he handles Ascot um, yards in good nick. I'm trying to follow a hole in him to think, well, you know, that, that's the reason I'm, I might sort of avoid him. But given the shape of this race, and, and I would say one or two of the opposition coming in here slightly below par, like Eva Dirt, she was disappointing in the Ascot race. Warlord, I do like him as a horse, but that yard, I mean, talking about stables and that, uh, Colin Tizard, I mean, he, he's just gone through a wretched time and it doesn't look like it's, he's, he's getting out of that slump mm. anytime soon. Um, Danny Kerwin, I, I don't mind him, but whether he's, he's he's mentally right for a race like this, and I, I mean that in, in, a, in the kindest sense, because I think he's, he's lightly raced and he hasn't really had what I would consider a, a big handicap to running like this, um, where, whereby he might just get exposed. He didn't stay the three miles last time at, at, um, at Cheltenham, and, and the race that he won the time before was a small field tactically run event. Um, so I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be looking to get with him at a very short price. Paddy's motorbikes coming through the ranks. I think he's still not a bad, but badly handicapped horse. One thirty one. But um, having been there, seen it and done it, and Ascot in a much better race than this, sort of strength in depth wise, stepping up in trip. That six to one. If I could get that six to one Saturday and there's still four places, that that's something I'd be uh, very very keen on taking. Lightly squeeze. Uh... And you're ahead of me there with the um, with the prices. I hadn't refreshed my page. I refreshed, and suddenly that six to one four places just popped up. So sorry for for uh, yeah for, for giving you an incorrect best price. Can't be doing that as the uh, as the host of the Odds Checker podcast. Um, yeah, Andrew. So kind words there for lightly squeeze. Some some kind of not concerns, but but reasons to to maybe not fancy Danny Kerwan here. Where are you looking? Well, Danny Kerwan, I think I'll be suited. Suited better by going back to Ascot. His, his form round Ascot is is strong. You know, he's won round there. He's been placed round there. Cheltenham maybe didn't play to his strengths, and it probably wasn't just the trip. I think that, 
that they get got to beat at Cheltenham as well. So I certainly think he'll be better suited by heading back to Ascot. Um, I thought lightly squeezed. I'm with Andy. I, I just think lightly squeezed last time probably did the chasing and, and probably cost himself second place by by chasing not so sleepy um, last time out. And not so sleepy when he's on a going day. When he's on a going day, <laughs> he is, he's, he's red hot. And for what Ascot seems to be his place where he's happiest at, I think you would have to have to say. Um, it just seems to suit, because he runs back up to the stables. You know, where he's setting off, he's heading back up to the stable yard. So he's happy as that, <laughs> from that perspective. And, you know, as you said, Harry Fry's horse is in good nick. I think I think Harry was very keen for Sean to to stay unite reunited with lightly squeezed as well because obviously Daryl been at Ascot if the cat fits was going free down at Taunton and um, I think just keeping keeping on lightly squeezed is is a big bonus from that perspective he knows the horse well I, I think he's improved he improves as the season goes on as well and one thing you haven't got to worry about with him. Is the, are the ground conditions? I'm surprised that a Rivadechi's probably third in mm. after running disappointingly in the race behind Not So Sleepy. Bit of bit of uh, blue on odds checker as well. I mean, people are, are backing Rivadechi, both Skybet and, and William Hill have cut within the last kind of ten minutes since the market opened. So someone's been waiting to pounce. I just wonder whether that run last time out was as much a confidence booster after the fall before, because mm. the horse has definitely got potential. Um, Nicky Henderson's horses, I, I always slightly worry with them when the ground gets soft and heavy. You know, his horses do tend to 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 enjoy better ground conditions, mm. whereas the Harry Fry's do tend to enjoy plenty of give and plenty of juice underfoot. So, and with Andy, I think I think likely threes from an each way angle in here. I think he's absolutely rock solid. And the fat chance you're going to get the six to one William Hill on Saturday because they've already just clipped into eleven to two. I'm afraid, um, but also <laughs> Arivadechi fifteen to two into six to one again. So, so someone is waiting to pounce. The market at the moment has lightly squeezed, and Danny Kirwan is the eleven to two joint favourites. Arivadechi seven to one, Janika fifteen to two. But fair to say, just the one horse re- of real interest for both Andrew and Andy, and that is Harry Fry's lightly squeeze. On now to the three o'clock, we're skipping past the 2.25 into the three o'clock, which is the handicap chase just uh, over two miles and five furlongs, where I better re- refresh my uh, my page before Andy tells me my prices are wrong again. Uh, good boy Bobby is the five to one favourite uh, ahead of Benny's King at 11 to two. Dashiell Drasher, six to one. Capelin, 13 to two. Espoir de Gay is seven to one. Windsor Avenue, 15 to two. 12 to one bar. Uh, 14 run as it stands. Skybet go five places. Most of the rest of them are four. Andrew, come to you first up here. Um, I'm an Espoir de Guy fan heading backing trip. I think you'll find that Charlie Deutsch will be able to be a little bit more forceful. Last time out, they, they went up to three miles and I just this this is the horse's trip. And he, he is what I'd call the proverbial there is a other few Ascot specialists in here. You've got to you've got to take note of that. But I, I think with the the likes of Dan, um, Benny's King staying in the race, just keeps the weights down as well a little, takes them down five five pounds and gives Espargi a good opportunity. Um, good boy Bobby's obviously very interesting from the, the Nigel Twiston Davis Yard. 
a good run at Cheltenham last time out behind uh, Chatham Street lad. But uh, you, you wonder about that race, how much it may have taken out of him because we saw Chatham Street lad run. I know he's dropped back in Tripping Island um, during during the week, but he he was a little bit disappointing. And I think it probably knocked the edge off him. And uh, good boy, Bobby. Yes, he's, he is unexposed. But I think Esquire de Guy for Venetia, well, her horses, we know they love the soft ground. I think Charlie Deutsch is um, he's riding as well as he is. He's, he's, he's a jockey who's just improving with confidence. And you can see with his interviews as much as anything. Mm. I thought, you know, 18 months ago, the way he comes across, I think he was almost grateful that he that he had a job like that. Now it's his job and he's taking the ball by the horns. And you can see in himself and as in a jockey that he's maturing in that perspective. And I thought he gave horses some very intelligent rides uh, last week. And I think it was at, uh, at Leicester. They were, going, they were going hard early doors and he wasn't frightened to just drop off the pace and trust his own judgment and get there. That's where he's maturing, just trusting in himself as much as anything. So I think all the boxes tick for me for Espardegui. Espardegui. He was very good on the horse called uh, Don, Don Arbiger the other day, Exeter Andrew. I don't know if you remember seeing that race. When going down the back, he was good 20 lengths off the speed. Yeah. Uh, and he, But he, he sensed that they're probably going to strike too quick up front. And all of a sudden, he made the ground up very... Uh, nice incrementally all the way through and challenged at the third last and 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 went went uh, went on went on one quite comfortably in the end. Yeah, I noticed that he let the the horse was jumped. He jumped himself into the race and he didn't have That's to do it. anything. He literally got there with just utilising the horse's jumps and trusting that he was going to take him there. And that's what I was alluding to that the confidence that he's riding with. Yeah, very much so. Brilliant to get your insights, Andrew, on a young jockey there, Charlie Deutsch, who rides Espoir de Guy at 7-1 to one with Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook as it stands. Andy, coming to you next. Yeah, I think good Bobby's probably about the right favourite. Um, we always look to see if we can take on a favourite, if, if it's the wrong one, and, and, and work around it and look for some value elsewhere. I, I certainly wouldn't put anyone off good boy, Bobby. Very consistent horse. You know, he's, he's hardly ever put a foot wrong in, in most of his uh, races over fences. And as Andrew alluded to, a, a really solid run in, in that race at Cheltenham last time. I'd be on Chatham Street, lad. Uh, the one I quite like here is, is um, it's a theme that we, we're talking about in, in in Ascot racing in general. And we've got a dual course course winner here, course and distance winner in the shape of uh, Dashiell Drasher. Mm. Uh, he, he only beat... I say only beat it. It was a small field last time, but he did beat Itchy Feet and that Caribbean boy. And a Caribbean boy clearly didn't on the ground that day, and he's probably went better off. As Andrew said, another one of Henderson's going back on better ground and, and maybe going left-handed. But Itchy Feet certainly put it up to him, and he he, he stayed on very strongly in the latter stages. Uh, he also won here last year. Uh, so I just think he's one of those horses you can rely upon to run his race here at Ascot, um, and. Yeah, I, d- I just prefer him. I mean, Benny's King, I'm not sure about the trip. He's, he's two five, two six. He said that seems to be the distance he wants to go. Capelin surprised me with his win the other day at Wincanton. I must admit, I always thought he was a two miler. Two and a half was fine for him, but again, three miles, that's a big ask. Mm. Um, the most 
And Delilles looks looks out of form. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I certainly respect Andrew's pick, uh, Esper de because he's a CMD winner as well. And the tongue time might work for him. But yeah, when I when I was going through this race this morning, um, I kept coming back to Dashiell Drasher. Time figures are good, and I saw the Ascot form is very solid. So he'd be the one I'm looking at at this very moment in time. Dashiell Drasher six to one across the board there. Skybet, Paddy Power Hills, and Betfair Sportsbook. The four bookies are out, but as I say, Skybet currently five places. So do check the place terms on the odds checker app or online before placing your bets. On now to the big race of the day on Saturday at Ascot. At least it is the Clarence House, of course, and Politolog is the five to four favourite. Waiting patiently uh, is a five to two second favourite, having been uh, supplemented late on, which broke the hearts of those of us who bought back Politolog thinking the race was going to cut up. Uh, Defi de Soy is nine to two third favourite. Uh, Fanny and Destreval, 14 to one. Duke de Genevre, 14 to one. First flow, the same price as well. Bundoran, 33s. La Patriot, 80 to one. Interesting one, this one, Andy. Um, a few kind of, I, I guess, the top, all the, top, the top three in the market a worthy talking points. What defi are we going to see? Racing patiently, brought, you know, comes into the race late after such an impressive uh, run last time out, and then of course Politolog, the one to beat. I'll leave it up to you. Which one you want to you want to go for first? Yeah, I mean, what a, what a difference a year makes with with Defi de Soy. Um, mm. Massively impressive winner this race last year, having beaten Underscore in, in the Tingle Creek. He looked like the second coming, didn't he, in this division? Um, when he went to Cheltenham, didn't he? One of the hottest properties of the week. I think he was the shortest by his favourites of the whole week, and that included him by Allen. And he completely nutty flopped. He never looked happy from the word go. Uh, you could have just put that down to a blip. You think, okay, it was bad ground. It was pudding. He, he just, it was the end of a hard season. All, all those factors giving the benefit of the doubt. But w- once again, as we saw first time out this season, just something's not quite right with with uh, Deputy Saw. So his body language at Cheltenham behind put the kettle again on bad ground. He, he's just maybe he's just had a lot of hard races on that bad ground. He's only like a low framed horse, and he's just thinking, look, I've, I've had enough of this. Um, and he's going to get heavy ground. He's going to get very tiring ground Saturday. I know it's not as bad as what it might be elsewhere, but Ascot's still, you know, it's still going to be soft, um, and it, it'll be enough to put me off him. So I think we're just dealing with the, the front two in the market here. Um, I, I think Politolog has, has been well documented. He's a he's, he's still a, a horse that probably hasn't got the utmost credit for what he's done over the years. Mm. Um, largely, largely due to the fact that he, he won a, a champion chase, almost like default, as many would would say. Obviously, <laughs> definitely didn't roll, turn up, and one or two others uh, disappointed in the race. But you've still got to go and win those grade ones, and you know he takes the opportunities when they present themselves. He, he loves soft ground. Ascot's not a problem. We know he stays further, but they, they've recognised that this is his trip, so keep him keep him in his lane. Uh, and Nichols is just a master with these horses, isn't he? You know, he knows how to sweeten them up. He turns switches the switch on and off when 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 required. Um, and you know, he'll he'll use this as a as a tremendous stepping stone, perhaps to retain his title. Um, but I do think he's got a real big opponent up against him today in the shape of wait, oh, sorry Saturday in the shape of uh, waiting patiently. And if there is any chinks in his arm, if he doesn't bring his A game to the table, I think waiting patiently will find it, find him out because he's he's knocking at the door in a race like this. Um, he's a bit quirky. I, I don't think he's he's got all pad- all his paddles in the water all the time, but he's got an absolute bucket load of a bucket load of talent. Uh, he's running the in the King George was an excellent one. I didn't think he'd stay three miles, but he did. Um, and 
it was a tremendous effort, wasn't it, in the in the Tingle Creek last year when he was gunning down Undersco and Duffy Desoy in the latter stage. But I don't actually think Sandown suited him. I think Ascot does. It's a longer pull from the third last up that long run in. You know, there's a long run from two out to last. But he gets into his top stride. Um, he, he's as good as anything over this distance. Um, and he's he's beaten Pallet a lot before when he's run at Ascot, albeit over two five. So um, he's got that in his locker as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Um, Certainly, the price is at five to two. I think waiting patiently is a really good bet against Pilatelog. Interesting. You know, waiting patiently. That'd be my view. Waiting patiently's last win was back in 2018, remarkably, but it was at Ascot. Um, and you know, if you look at the horses who've beaten um, waiting patiently since then, it is Underso. It's Deffy. Deffy when Deffy was Deffy. It's Pilatelog. It's Min. It's Froden last time and it's surname. So you're looking at a decent enough. They're the absolute best, aren't they? They're, they're like the absolute ultimate grade one horses, all those. I mean, not saying Politolo hasn't rubbed shoulders with those giants. Of course he has. I mean, he's got a CV just as good as waiting patiently. But mm. I, I don't think there's a massive amount between these two. You know, there's two pounds and on the official handicap. I mean, that doesn't account for a great deal when you're, when you're talking weights and measures and the odd mistake here, there and everywhere and which one handles the track and the ground on the day. But... Like as a, a pure ability, these two over this distance, you can spin a coin. I think a lot depending on how they jump, what rhythm they get into. But at five to two, I think that that, that is definitely slightly overpriced as far as I could see. Five to two about about a coin toss. You'd be mad not to. Not what I wanted to hear, Andy. Uh, Andrew, um, come to you. I mean, yeah, give us your thoughts on those top three, and and can we make a case for anything at a double figure price to to spoil the party? Eight runners. What? Well, I, I have sat on waiting patiently before he ran in his first novice chase. So I'm not going to take any credit at all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when, when blessing Malcolm, Malcolm Jefferson was, uh, was, was alive and I went and had a ride out there. And I sat on him and he is a little bit quirky. He's got his own way of going about things. But that happens about a lot of horses, doesn't it? Um, I think it's interesting that Politologue has his last two wins at Ascot have both come over two five. I'm just wondering whether the miles, you know, bearing in mind it's whether Ascot just plays completely to his strengths. I think one thing's for certain, this race um, is going to be end-to-end gallop. It won't be like last year's Clarence House where they dawdled with Underso making the running and Deffy sitting in. You've got first flow in there with Dave Bass on, we hammer and tongs. Politologue won't get, get his own way. That is Duke Duke and Eva as well in there, Andrew, as well. He's another massive front runner, isn't he? Plenty of pace, which is going to suit the horse that you mentioned, Andy, waiting patiently. And I think you'll find that Brian Hughes will, especially over two miles, I, I don't think he'll be dropping him right in. You've got to bear in mind the King George, it was the horse's first run back. I don't think he was so much ridden to get the trip. It was the fact of the winner obviously got his own way in front. But if he was going to, he couldn't come five wide around the home bend. He ended up slotting back in behind. He probably just blew up as well, leaving the back straight. And Brian's given him a chance to find his feet. And he's come home well. And if he hadn't been ridden like that, he wouldn't have come home well. And I think that's, that, that enables him to take this race in. The fact that he wasn't, he was ridden like that and he came through the line, if he'd finished very, very tired at, at Kempton, you wouldn't have been seeing him here. And I think it's probably testament to Brian Hughes, knowing the horse, how he, how he was ridden, to how he's come on, 
and the vibes, you've got to say, Ruth Jefferson, the glass isn't always half full, but she's been bubbling about this horse for the last 10 days. Yeah, and she I, has. I, you get the feeling that, I'd say, waiting patiently hasn't been in better form than he is now. He hasn't missed a beat, hence the reason why Richard Collins has said, come on, let's stump up the five grand. Let's have a crack at this. And when the horses are getting to this age, you run them when they're right. You run them when they are right, because he is a horse that isn't the easiest to train. And you take each, each race as it comes and just kick on. And he's right at the moment. I think he's going to take a lot of eating. I think, I think it's a cracking race. It's a fascinating race because we haven't seen a lot of him. And, we, you know, he's getting on in years and you're thinking, is the candle still there? But he was beaten on his first run over two miles. That was Hexham, would you believe, behind Nutswell. Look where he is now. He's up <laughs> in the 159, 60s. And you wouldn't believe going up there for an obvious hurdle, you'd bump into him. Um, he's, got bag, he's got plenty of speed for this trip. I think that he loves the track. Uh, the drop back in trip doesn't bother me in the slightest. I think it'll help him. And a fascinating race, but I'm with Andy five to two. I think it's a, it's a, it's a juicy bet. Five to two, waiting patiently, Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook. Andy, you and I both like our, our eight runner races and, and the each way angles. And the thing that's interesting me here is that, you know, personally, I think you'd have to be, um, take a big leap of faith, let's say, to be backing Defi de Sol at, at nine to two. And yeah. That opens up an each-way angle. So given, you know, in Fanyan Destreval, Duke de Geneva, first flow, Bundran, the Patriot, is there any in there that you could see stepping up a little bit forward in order to, to maybe nick a place? Um, possibly. I mean, I'm, it, it's, it's hard because a lot of them are going to be ridden to win this. Mm. They're not going to be ridden to just get a place. Obviously, Duke Geneva, he's only got one way of running. So, you know, he's a 14, 16, one shot. He's going to go off in front. First flow is another one that likes to race prominently. So all those horses are going to be in the thick of the action. They're not, they're, it's either like a win or, right, we're going to finish fourth or fifth and we've had a go at it. Um, the, the only one who might be ridden for a, at the back door to be, um, you know, produced late might be with La Patriot. I know that's, Complete pie in the sky. He looks like a being about a 50, 60, 60 to one job. But I'd imagine connections of something like that would probably sit that one right mm. in and just hope there's either fallers or the race collapses later on because he does stay a little bit further and he just picks up pieces and maybe nicks third or fourth. But yeah, when I've got a when I've got a really strong bet, a strong bet here from a win perspective, I, I um, I'm not really looking down. That you, the, you'll leave the rest for me. Well, we'll claim it, Andy. When when Le Patriot wins at 100 to 1 SP, we'll call it a 100 to 1 winner for the podcast, if that's okay. <laughs> uh, we'll go on then up north to Haydock, where, you know, we, we mentioned there that the ground is going to be testing at Ascot, but it's going to be even more so if racing does go ahead at Haydock. And we're going to start with the 130, which is the supreme trial, the Skybet Supreme trial. And uh, Landon Arbo Lad is the two to one favourite ahead of Manella Drama, who is nine to four. Uh, then Nada de Prada is nine to two. Favois is five to one. Anything for love, eight to one. Novice Hurdlers, only one man for it. Andy Holding, take it away. Yeah, to be fair, the Novice Hurdlers have kept my head above water this uh, winter. So um, hopefully I might be able to land on one here. I mean, look, this is a a fascinating race between two horses I've got a huge amount of time for um, the best horse in the north over two miles so far I've seen this season and on the figures is Manila Drama um, his last two runs have been 
just just short of championship class based on the figures. They beat a horse called Ballybeg last time out at Bangor. Ballybeg, I put up the other day at Hereford when that won. So that form line's taken a boost. The only time he's got beaten over hurdles is by Landivino Lad. Yeah, Landinabo Lad. God. Um, and that was at Bangor first time out. Now, look, fitness-wise, we don't know what shape Manila Drama was in at the, on, at the time. Um, Landinabo Lad, he was clearly ready. A lot of Tim Simmons, Tim, Tom Simmons' horses at that particular moment in time were absolutely on fire. They've, they've continued that, although they've just dropped off, as we, I've noticed, in the last uh, two or three weeks. I think he's only had one win, and that was um, um, Cyclop, wasn't it, in, in, in a, when, when he looked a good thing the other day at Plumpton. So, so the yards has gone through a little bit of a quieter period after that glutch of winners in, in February, in um, November and December. So that's worth bearing in mind. Um, but strictly on that run um, at Bangor, Landivino Lad had the beating of Manila Drama, and he's gone and proven himself subsequently uh, twice over. Um, he got beat last time at Ascot, but got beat by a very good horse, My Drago, who wouldn't be out of place in the Supreme Connections, decided to run him there. That was at a huge time figure. And I think Richard Johnson, I think if he had a chance to ride that again, they might have just been a little bit more circumspect with the way they rode him. They, I think he's probably gone out there with the instructions because he stays really well and he was a front runner to really put it up to the likes of Soaring Glory and My Drago. But in the end, I think Richard Johnson just probably slightly overdid it. He was he was fighting him early, and he, he drilled him all the way down to Swindley Bottom, all the way up the side. And I felt coming to the last, he, he was looking as though that, that mile, in, in, that, in that mile middle part section of the race, he'd just gone a little bit too hard. And in the end, he was picked off by the patient they ridden My, My Drago. But round Haydock... You can afford to be ridden confidently from the front, as he was when he went over the CD before, because it's a tighter track. It suits front runners, where sometimes Ascot it, it, it obviously leaves you slightly a little bit more exposed. So I do think London Lad might get the better of him in a drama. Whether I'd have my last fiver on it, I don't know, because I've got a huge amount of time for, for the McCain runner. I think the other three might just struggle. Uh, I don't think Favreau is quite this clash yet. The, the, the two mares have got to be improved quite significantly, albeit they're, they're receding a little bit. Um, anything for love. I think Marder got beaten the other day, had um, a cup of coffee not falling at the second last at Catrick. And Nada de Prada was only rated 115 before she she beat um, her f- field here last time out. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is a straight match between the, the, old, the old rivals. And I think Lundi Minola might just come out on top, given the conditions. So Andy's whittled it down to two, Andrew. Can you can you bring it down to a more a more committed one? I think anything for Love will run a big race. Um, just uh, it would be arguably unbeaten if the if Gavin Sheehan's pin hadn't come out of his iron mm. when uh, when jumping the go- it wasn't jumping the first. It was going to the first hurdle at Utopia, but still finished fourth as he as he spent three well the whole race trying to get it back in again. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I think she, I think she'll run a race, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go against. I think Manella Drama, the way Donald McCain's horses are now, they they're they're in good nick, and you mentioned about yard form, that would worry me slightly, and also the fact that when Landibino Lad beat um, Manella Drama at Bangor, Manella Drama was giving Landibino Lad five pounds, whereas at Haydock, uh, well, whereas to on Saturday, it's the other way round. Landibolo has got to carry the 11-9 and Manella Drama 
eleven four. So there's there's a ten pound differential for five lengths, and I think the Manana Drama hasn't had as hard a races as well, which I think I would I would buy that into the equation that the last two the wins at Sedgefield, the wins at Bangor, from a confidence point of view, and as Andy said, he put up Ballybeg to win last time out. The form's been franked. Um, Brian Hughes obviously goes down to wait, ride waiting patiently, so Sam Twiston comes into the ride. And um, I just feel that the, the ground conditions are going to be softer than the conditions when Landimlo Lad beat Manila Drama at Haydock last time. They're going to be a lot, lot deeper. So I'm going to have that one to flip the form. So I'm taking you on, Andy. <laughs> That's good to see. Well, it down I, to think, see. I think I've noticed about... Um, Manila Drama's run in his last two runs. He has started just to flash his tail a little bit yeah. as well. Um, he flashed his tail when he won at Setsville, even though he was well clear. And he definitely did it last time out at Bangor on the run. He, he, he was like hanging to the left a little bit as if to think, God, I'm really working hard here. You know, like, when can I give up kind of thing? Um, I'm not absolutely oh, that's convinced. what you're thinking. Well, it's just a little, tra- <laughs> it's just a, it's just a little trait that I've noticed. And I'm thinking, why is he doing that? He's doing it for a reason. He's either feeling something or thinking about it, or he's not happy doing something. Um, yeah. He's not doing it just because you know he's trying to get a fly off his back. Um, I, I, I'm not absolutely convinced, and this is my this is my what, what my view of Manila Drama. I don't think he would want it as absolute deep as it likely to be on Saturday. I think we'll see him at his absolute best further down the line when he when he's just got nice ground, like good to soft or soft in places. I don't think he wants the guts ripped out of him because he's he's a bit more of a light-framed frame, uh, horse and, than uh, one or two Donald McCain's had in the past. But look, Donald's got two really good um, two two milers this year. They're going to take him places. Miller Drama's one of them. The other one's Bareback Jack. Uh, both of them have been clocking fantastic times up the north. Um, so whatever happens, I think it's, it's going to be a bright future in that department for Donald McCain. Exciting stuff there in the 130 at Haydock. So on now to the 240, the handicap chase uh, over just over three miles. And Royal Pagal is the five to two favourite, just ahead of Sam Brown at seven to two. Sam's adventure is six to one. Potter's legend AC Milan and Lamanva Pippin all 17 to two, 14 to one bar. Andrew, take us away. Yeah, well, Sam's adventure, I was very impressed with the way he went about things in the Tommy Whittle um, at Haydock. But Brian used it. He had to be after him. He had to be after him a lot a lot of the journey. Uh, and I think he'd had a, he already had a winner on the card already, which always helps from a jockey's perspective. Um, but he, he kept going. The ground can't be too soft for him. So I'd certainly have him on my shortlist. And he, he's obviously well up there in the market. But I think this is a better race than the Tommy Whittle, but without a shadow of a doubt. You know, the mm-hmm. Tommy Whittle isn't the race it used to be going back 15, 20 years. Um, so I definitely have that as, a, as a, a worry. Sam Brown. Now, this is a horse of Anthony Honeyballs where it wants to be unraceable. Mm-hmm. And this is a horse that absolutely thrives. And I thought he ran an absolute blinder it was officially heavy ground at Carlisle behind Imperial Aura and Windsor Avenue. Nowhere near. You know, it was officially heavy, called heavy. It wasn't heavy ground. Now, Haydock will be atrocious. And Sam Brown wants it absolutely atrocious. And I think 
I, I think he might take this field apart. I'd, I'd be as bold as to say that. I just feel that he's a horse who... Um, I think Anthony Honeyball's maybe had this a race of this nature on, on his agenda. So, uh, from that perspective, I'm a big Sam Brown fan. Uh, Royal Pagal, you've got to uh, admire the way Venetia's brought this horse back from some substandard runs last year. And I would mm. say that was probably... And Andy might back me up here that some horses take a while to acclimatise. And this horse showed a lot of potential last year, but just petered out very tamely. But um, connections have stuck with him. And uh, I, I'd, I'd have to worry about... I just wonder whether he wants it this deep. Mm. Um, the way he went round Kempton the other day, and went up sixteen pounds as a consequence. I think I think that was a little harsh. He was very very impressive, and travelled very smoothly through the race. But it'll be a different contest, I think, at, at Haydock. So that would be my slight query. He's gone up sixteen pounds for winning in a deeper race on deeper ground. So, as you can see from where I'm coming from, I think Potter's Legend will run well because he loves it absolutely again. Atrocious conditions. Um, I think you could probably put him in in the mix from an each way perspective, but um, I'm a big Sam Brown fan. Sam Brown, the one for Andrew, seven to two at the moment. Only William Hill out with prices, so hopefully that is still around, or maybe you'll get even bigger by the time you're watching or listening to this. Andy, fair to say we know who Andrew fancies. Think Sam Brown could take the field apart? Do you agree? Did Sam Brown win the X Factor about four or five years ago? <laughs> a female <laughs> on heavy ground, possibly. Yeah, it could well be a bit of X Factor here for, for Sam Brown. Yeah, I, I do like Sam Brown. I, I've always liked the horse. Um, he just didn't show up, did he, last year in, in the Reynolds Stand beyond, beyond Copperhead? I'm not absolutely convinced he goes left hand, right handed. I, I, I've always thought he's he, he wants to go left handed. Um, Interestingly, they've got the tongue time as well. He might have just made a noise uh, last time out. Um, that that, that last, he... year, last year's form as well, Andy. Can you remember? He had two quick. He had three very, very quick races together, and the Reynolds time it's... was on the back of two two facile successes. But they were. Mm. I, I think he just ran very, very flat. Yeah. I mean, he's run. He's run beyond Imperial, or is you know good enough to to suggest he's he's right banging in you know, back to his best. He's lightly raced. Uh, you come here fresh. He hasn't had the, the campaign that some of, of these have had already. Some of them have had two or three relatively quick stroke hard runs on, on, on bad ground. I say like Royal Pagai, he travels well in his race. And I do know that the connections of the second, Captain Ord at Kempton the other day, literally could not get their breath that um, Royal Pagai went by in the way that they did because they thought Captain Ord was a very well handicapped horse. The pair were well clear, but I think I missed him. It's a different ball game now. He's you know he's one fifty six. To be honest, I thought that would have forced the hand to go down conditions races. That you know looking at races maybe like the Mars Chase or uh, or something else uh, at the, maybe at the festivals. But the fact that they're still running in a handicap, they must feel as though that they've got something even still further up their sleeve. Who knows? But I think I think I the would, limited the limited handicap definitely helps. Limited, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Look, look, you know this is three mile two on heavy ground. He's he's got away with three miles around a sharp track. Two five round here. Three mile two. You know, against dowdy stayers, uh, we'll, we'll really find what what Roper guy is made of. Ultimately, I want back him at nine to four because I just think there's too many died in the wall stayers that are, are likely to find him out if 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 he's if he's not absolutely right and he's on the money. 
Um, so yeah, I think I think Andrew's made a good point with with Sam Brown, and I'll I'll probably just sit this one out and hope Andrew is absolutely bang on. I certainly wouldn't disagree with, with all the things he said. So Sam Brown, the one to side with for Andrew there, and no bet as it stands for Andy. A really really interesting race, a three runner affair in the three fifteen in the um, the Unibet hurdle, the Champion hurdle trial and Bouvardier returns for the first time since the fighting fifth back in 2019 where he finished second and is four to seven here ahead of Barry Andy at nine to four Navajo pass is 14 to one as it stands Andy what I mean what it, it's again it's a difficult one in terms of, of, of a betting heat unless you're going to tell us that that Bouvardier should be um you know shouldn't be had that place in the market but as as a spectacle goes, it's going to be a fascinating race to to enjoy. Well, I mean, look, you know, he's got to start somewhere and there's only a couple of races that he, he could possibly run in, isn't it, before Matt perhaps having another go at the champion hurdle. But mm. this is not absolutely ideal. I think if you had said to Nicky Henderson what Andrew alluded to, you know, he doesn't really probably want to be having his first run back on heavy ground um, and it will be, a, you know, it'll be a proper slog. You know, I, I, I don't live a million miles away from Haydock and... My Wellington boots are nearly over the top of the over the top of the the uh, you know into, into, into me socks, so um, it, it will be, it will be quite um, punishing. And and with a horse like Ballyandy, he's the last horse you want to be up against when you've got to run hard all the way to the line, because this horse will just literally run until he drops. Um, some of his performances this season, Ballyandy, have been absolutely unbelievable. Um, mm. You've got to give him an amazing amount of credit. Kempton last time out wouldn't have been his bag, but you know he's he's run at Cheltenham the time before when he didn't get the clearest of runs as good. He had top eight in the in the um, the Great Wood, and and as we said, that first last run early in the season beyond Scarrell has worked out really well. But he won this race last year, albeit Dowley over Pentland Hills. Um, and look, this is going to be this is going to be his big opportunity to take a big scalp. Uh, he'll be absolutely revved up to the eyes of this horse, Will Nat. Uh, and I think connections will be rubbing their hands because I think, well, we've got fitness on the side. If if is vulnerable, if he's ever going to be vulnerable, it's going to be Saturday mm. when perhaps the champion hurdle is, is at connections is back and all that. going to be similar to Pentland Hills. Whatever you do, don't absolutely go all out to try and win. Yes, try and win on the bridle if you can, like he probably will travel. Um, but yeah, at the prices, I mean, I, I couldn't touch Bouvardier was it four to nine? Whereas I do think Ballyandy. Four to is, seven, yeah. Ballyandy's a fair price at two to one. Nine to four, Ballyandy. Nine to four, Andy, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd be betting a lot shorter, though. I think they'll, those two prices will come a lot closer together come Saturday. Interesting. Andrew, do you agree? Yeah, I think it's it's fascinating. Obviously, Ballyandy giving six pounds. I don't think the weight's, the weight here is that much of an issue. I think tactically, the race is fascinating because. Mm. Bouvou Dare, we we see we saw him get beat for speed round um, round uh, Kempton. Um, was was it Epitont? Just trying to think now. My mind. Anyway, he got beat. Mm. He got he got beat round Kempton because he's not the quickest horse. He wants an end to end gallop. Bouvou Dare. Are the other two going to go a real good gallop here, or? I think they may just turn it into a real tactical race where they they crawl. Yeah, well, because if they crawl, if they crawl, he might want to. He'd be fresh. He'd be keen. He could, you know, it's not ideal for him either. Well, is no, it? Because 
That's why it's that's why it's fascinating. This this race is fascinating because mm. uh, Nigel Twiston Davis has also got a, a an eye on. Well, do I really want to go on end to end gallop here and think we are we then we won't go for the Betfair hurdle? Now, if we have a crawl round and it was a little sp- a sprint up the straight, this will put him spot on for the Betfair hurdle. You know, mm. in, with a light horse like Bally Andy, you're just thinking from race to race. Mm. Go and pick up as much prize money as possible. You know. He's not good enough for the Cheltenham Festival now, um, but there's lots of prize money to be had. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, it's one of those races you scratch your head and think, oh, do you know what? I'd be tempted to have a back the outside of a three because it, you, this is a, these races are muddling affairs. Mm. Donald McCain's horse is in good nick. Boo Boo Dare got a comeback of an absence. Bally Andy, he's got the 11 10. Um, and whereas you've got, you know, like you say, in Navajo Pass, you might, well, he's got 11, you know, it, it's a fascinating contest. But as Andy said, I wouldn't want to back Bouvardet at 4 to 9. So swerving Bouvardet, um, Bally Andy currently 9 to 4. We expect that to come in. And then Navajo Pass 14 to 1, maybe the outsider of three there at uh, Haydock. Uh, fingers crossed, uh, we see a cracker in Bouvardet. Returns to some form. It would be great to see. Uh, finally, in this whirlwind tour of Saturday racing, we are going to go nip down to Taunton for the Portman Cup, the Weatherby's Portman Cup, where Yala Enki is the 10 to 11 favourite, just ahead of If the Cat Fits at 11 to 4. Rock the Casbah, 7 to 1. The Mighty Don, 14 to 1, alongside Al Rock, 33 to 1 bar. Just the seven runners, sadly. So, no to just the two places, quarter of the odds to two places. Andrew, come to you first here. Yala Enki, the right to be odds on, or are you going to look to, to take him on with something else uh, at a bigger price? Well, he won it last year, didn't he? And, and he beat up the cars bar comfortably on that occasion. And you think it's not an ideal race uh, to run in the, the Welsh National and then head here. Mm. He did it last year. And the fact with um, the Welsh National this year, it was being you know, talked about that, it's going to be testing and it's going to be void. It's going to be a really tough conditions. The ground was probably about good to soft. <laughs> what people forget is when you put the sheets down, it dries it out. And that's what happened in the Welsh National. The time was 14 seconds slower than standard. It wasn't a testing yeah. race. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be a little bit more testing at, uh, at Taunton. Yala Renke, the, the race fits for him. If the cat fits, his jumping is going to have to improve. You don't want to be giving away half a length and a length each fence, which he, he did last time against Shan Blue round Kempton. I think the three and a half miles are suiting better um, in that respect. But, you know, Shan Blue went hard. I don't think they'll probably go as hard, but I think Yala Renke, he's going to be bang up with the pace and he's going to be rolling away from the front. And as I say, the fact that the Welsh national wasn't, a thorough, thorough test. And you may argue that Yala Renke at Chepstow didn't get the clear passage coming into the home straight, lost four or five lengths, six lengths at the, the, the fifth blast, and then was staying on when the race was, was all over. So the fact that it, got, it certainly didn't get the bottom of him, I think he's odds-on. I think he deserves to be a, an odds-on favourite um, because he's beaten Rock the Casbah. He's well ahead at, at the ratings. You know, others wanted. You know, you've got the likes of um, A1 and Rock have got to give uh, Yalarenki four pounds in here. So the race sets up very well for him. Can't look past him. 
start to pass the fab there for Andrew. Andy? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if a, if a race was framed for a horse, it, it is for Yellow Anki, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. he he's always carrying top weight in those handicaps. I mean, the last two years, he's uh, been that to be carried out in his shield, doesn't he? In the Welsh National carried 11 stone 10. No mean feat against some of those bright young horses that come through and get in off 10 stone. Uh, the fact that he was still there in in the thick end right till the end just shows you what kind of form he's in. He's took that race last year before coming on um, to take this. I thought he was a little bit laboured in when he beat Rock the Casbah last that last year, but he, as we talked about, you know, he, he's entitled to be really having run three miles six only uh, a couple of weeks earlier. Um, I mean, he's, he's going to have to be on his money here to beat if the cap fits if he's on his on his on his best. I mean, he's he's the classiest horse in the field if the cap fits. You know, you can't imagine any of these running in. Grade one, grade two hurdles. Um, you know they're 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 very much slow and you know died in the wall stage. Whereas this fella, you know he's he, he's still got plenty of ability. Um, it's just whether he's. I don't think he's really taken to fences as connections would have hoped. Look, you know it wasn't a bad run beyond Shambler last time. Man. He's got beat seven lengths by a horse that's absolutely flew around Kenton and ran a much quicker circuit time than than Frodon. So um, you know he, he's just on his head around there. Um, so yeah. I, Look, I think he's the, again. I think it's another one that's the right frame. You couldn't argue with the Isle of Anglia, the conditions of the race suit and everything. But um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the cap fits. We you know to clear around, got into a good rhythm. Put it this way: if he was bang there at the third last, um, he he favourite backers will certainly be um, not exactly in too many favourable terms. Mm-hmm. So yeah, again, another race. I, I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not mad keen to to, to have, a, have, a, have a bet in, but. Um, um, certainly, if the cap fits, definitely 11 to 4 is, is, is a smidgen of value, whichever way you look at it. There we have it, guys. Thank you very much for, for sharing your expert opinions on this Saturday's racing. Fingers crossed, all the races we've covered do go ahead. And, you know, the, the ground isn't too testing. Fingers crossed, but I think we'll just be happy if we have a full day's racing. Thanks then to Andy and Andrew for joining us. We'll be back, I think, next week again for another racing preview. Do subscribe to our podcast on all podcast platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have loads and loads of content up there. We did a UFC podcast and video yesterday we did the interview with jamie snowden last week as well plenty going on so do subscribe download the app for the very best prices and all the best tipsters including andy every single morning direct to the app the best place terms bookie offers and free bets as well most importantly though enjoy the racing and please do gamble responsibly (laughs) 